Welcome to the Broski Doodles Podcast, the best podcast in all the land. It's your boy Kiko Flo, Kiko Cervantes, and today we got a special guest with us, Chef Maurice. Some of you have may have not seen him before. He's with me on the Spanish podcast that we do. It is a multi-language corporation that we're running. And famous chef from San Francisco. I don't really like to boast him too much because he's a very humble guy. But Chef Maurice is uh, with us today for the movie review with the crew. Thank you, Chef Maurice, for joining us today. Thank you for having me, dude. All the time, all the time. Um, Let's get right to it. Today's is not a movie per se, it's a documentary. You guys know we do documentaries too, we do series. Any sort of audiovisual art that we can uh, relate to and, and, and speak about it, you know, some, some things that are interesting out there. And I recently saw a documentary. What a piece of shit, I, I, I don't even actually have the, the, the actual name. It's the Woodstock 99 documentary that's available on Netflix. It's a three-part series. Uh, I think each of the episodes is maybe a little bit less than an hour long. Yeah, so it's 45, 50 minutes. It's called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. And what a train wreck it was. And, and what, a, <laughs> what a train wreck it was. <laughs> perfect, perfect name. There's a... Um, the, the, I had actually uh, saw that, or I saw another thing about this same story because HBO has a documentary on this that came out maybe like a year ago and it's called Woodstock 99 Peace, Love and Rage yeah it came out uh, last year 2021 so I actually recommend watching that one too if you haven't Chef Maurice I recommend it because it's very good I actually think it might be two or three episodes as well but the one on Netflix is, 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 is pretty good and, and what I found crazy about I mean there's many things we're gonna get into it but that this was such a mix of like great things with bad things, right? Like like the lineup, and and you tell me, right? I mean, you're, we're both uh, fans of music, and you know, in your case, you really like bands, rock bands. Even though they they aren't my favorite musicians, I think that the lineup for the time was pretty sick, right? I mean, we're talking about Limp Bizkit, Red Hot Chili Pepper, Corn, The Offspring. Kid Rock, um, I'm, I'm, I think Metallica played maybe. I don't see them here. I don't. I heard they did. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, Saturday, so the Saturday. second day. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, Alanis Morissette. Uh, Th- those were the more weird ones that I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is the weirdest one. James Brown. He opened on Friday. He was the first act on Friday. But we'll get into that. Well, I mean, let, let, let's start off with that one, right? Because it's crazy. The, the, the first thing they're talking about with James Brown is that he wants to get paid in advance before, <laughs> before the he show. Gets him. And, and so yeah, it just gives you a, a, it starts the wrong way. You know, he's not getting paid. But I like how uh, one of the guys, one of the uh, promoters of the, of the show, it's like, uh, listen, talking to, to James Brown's manager, he's like, listen to this. And then they just started the music for James Brown. So he had to walk out because we we're waiting for him. So it all started with a left or the wrong yeah, foot. left foot. Which I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure how these festivals are organized and, and how artists get paid. I myself, I'm an artist. I've been an artist for many years, but I've never actually gotten paid. So I don't know how... <laughs> 
how that part works, right? I mean, I've gotten like, hey, here, have a, a hundred bucks and a couple burritos before you go home, you piece <laughs> of shit. But gotten paid like, hey, what's good? Where we deposit this check? So I don't know if the norm is for you to get paid prior or if you get part of it and then the end. I know in Venezuela, for example, in the rap world, before it was more mainstream, um, it, people would get fucked over by promoters that said they will pay them after. And then they, so I could understand why James Brown here would have had that. But I, you would think it would be more professional where things would be agreed upon and things would be set in stone uh, one way or another. Um, now, on the other end, I also think the promoter guy, we'll get to it deep more in depth, but that specific promoter guy was just a piece of shit. And like, I'm the type of person that doesn't like when people say things like, oh yeah, no, it's just this classic old white dude, because it's like, that's racist in itself, like to to always like bring down white people and shit like that. But this was the worst fucking, or, or the best example of a white dude that you fucking hate. Like this piece of shit. And I mean, we'll get to the details and the things that caused this festival to go to shit. I mean, that's ex- pretty much what happened uh, with some silver linings. But I think he was one of the main reasons to that made it all go that made it all go to shit. So James Brown starts the show on the Friday. Um, he does apparently amazing. Yeah, well, he does very well to start it off. You could tell them like he's he at that stage he was already old, you know. He was already sort of doing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it was a great start. Not the weird. It is weird, but not the weirdest one. Friday starts now. Mm-hmm. Who do you think it would be weirder? Because from what I'm seeing here, they also had Cheryl Crow. Cheryl DMX. Crow, I think. What, Oh, DMX. Oh, by the way, they, DMX killed it on that. They, they, they didn't show it on this one, on did. HBO one, they do. And DMX fucking, like, in a, in, like he fucking did such an amazing show. Yeah, yeah. DMX, I forgot about him. He was there. Yeah. You, do you have the lineup in front of you? I have it in front of me, yes. Well, Just what for else? Friday. Corn, uh, The Offspring, Bush, which, to be honest, I had never heard of him <laughs> until the documentary. So I started listening to a couple of songs to see what... And it was a very weird band to close to after corn. They it was up. the worst. Dude, that was so weird. <laughs> when corn ends, pretty much just like, you know, bleeding from their mouth and, and eating bats. Bush comes out, which I didn't know this band, but it's like a very mellow rock. Kind of like uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. It reminded yeah. me. Yeah. Um, Let's just say the energy was a bit more calm, less masculine. And this guy comes out without shirts, looking like fucking Justin Bieber and with a guitar, like, save me. Yeah. And I'm just like, bro, they're going to fucking kill you. And he, I mean, he's, he says, like, it was hard. It was, it was, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I was fucking scared, mate. <laughs> I mean, after seeing what happened with Corn, that guy should have just. Walked out. So he should have been like, I open tomorrow if you guys want, but I can't compete with this shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, Corn should have had to close that night on the, on the first sure. night. If it now was let, meant to be done this, you know, this 2020s, maybe they would have put Corn to finish. But I mean, you mean like, very, like 2020 now, you say? Like you 20, in the 2020s, oh. if, if they were to do a festival now, for sure they would have. 
flip all this uh well i mean i'm yeah i'm guessing we they do festivals a lot better these days uh, i was gonna get into that because i actually went to a festival back in like 05 maybe or 2004 which was called the warped tour it was like mainly organized by vans and i related a lot to this concert because <clears throat> it was a similar lineup or not a, it was a yeah it was a similar concept because for example the closers what was Linkin Park this is to the one I went to the Warp Tour Linkin Park then we had My Chemical Romance Taking Back so Taking Back Sunday and then you go down that list and there were a bunch of others and it was a big festival it was in a in a festival venue in in West Palm Beach the West Palm Beach Amphitheater I think it's called. And I remember that was my first festival that I went and I loved it. Now, I'm pretty sure there was some chaos, but I remember it being and feeling safe. And I think that the start of this concert, you just already start seeing how it feels riffraff. It feels like, like, I mean, the security was like a bunch of kids that didn't give a fuck. Then they had the great idea of like charging very much for the drinks and the and the food and this is something that i always complain about like how expensive food and drink is in festivals but then you add to that the fact that cleaning the of the bathrooms and of the facilities was pretty much useless and and i just didn't i don't i don't think the promoters gave a fuck that much and i mean they they hit them they had missed with the, just with the location of the festival, you know, to do it in an airbase, that was huge. This is the thing though. That's one thing that I, that I can, that, that I can forgive them for because they had done Woodstock 94. And even though the experience was a, as a good one, because nothing went crazy and they had a great lineup and a lot of people got in for free. And that fucked up profits and shit. So I understand the part where it's very you're very limited to the amount of venues where you can fit that many people, but also keep it secure so that you don't get people going in for free, which fucks well, up the that, whole thing. That was uh, one of the things that they mentioned that they wanted to do this place where they could put uh, all the barricades because in 1994 a lot of people did that, just yeah. uh, jump the the fence. And a lot of people didn't pay. And the place so. already had like a like a perimeter wall. So it was perfect yeah. for that. Now, what I think is if you have a venue that works for you to keep it secure, but everything else sucks because obviously it's, it's hot, it's a, it's a shitty place to do it, then at least make it all in a way so that you overcome that annoyance, meaning a lot of refreshment points, a lot of things like that throw water a lot of shades you had to put things with shade you had to you could have made it so that it was bearable especially since yeah. they were saving so much money by by getting that venue yeah. right yeah so i think that was, was a mistake and a lot of greed from the main well not the main promoter because the main promoter was like the co-promoter for the original woodstock yeah i don't know if he was involved in the shenanigans but mainly the other guy that got in after the investor he was just a piece of shit that only cared about profits. And you could tell, man, I mean, the way he spoke and he, and he couldn't even like you, he could speak and, and say whatever people would still hate him. He, he was so yeah. hateable. 
you you could tell he only gave a fuck about you know about him and the and, and the money. It's crazy how um well they all the prices are up for you know drinks, uh, water, food. Not only that, but they had the balls to put this on pay per view in 1999 and charge. I think it was fifty nine ninety five or sixty dollars basically for uh, for people to have like an all in access um, of of this experience in in which. I mean, in hindsight, I would have paid $60 to see everything that happened. Yeah. And also, isn't it fucked up? I mean, um, I guess I don't know how you could have done it back then. But I felt like they almost sold that pay-per-view thing as if it was going to be like a live broadcast. And it wasn't. And it they wasn't, mentioned huh? that they would go out with like cameras, film shit, and then bring the VCRs back. And then they would broadcast that. So... Yeah. But but it, it was a, a very forward idea at the time. I don't think this was being done. Like today, you, uh, Tomorrowland happened recently. I don't know if they do Tomorrowland in the U.S. They do it here in Belgium, in, the, in Europe. Do they do one now in the U.S.? I remember seeing that they did it in Georgia. Vegas, maybe? Vegas. I don't know. I'll look it up. But right. it, it's just... I mean, the base, the air base, it's a good idea because it's a big space. But they also mentioned a lot that there's a lot of uh, cement. So there's the heat is just going to be unbearable. Just like we saw in, in the documentary, people were just fucking hot and sunburned. And like you said, no shade. So people were grabbing anything and putting it over, over their heads. Uh, the, water was, <laughs> the water was shit. Uh, they didn't Literally. <laughs> Literally. Um, it's, it's crazy how, how a lot of these things went, uh, you know, swept under the rug, like, yeah, uh, and, and then eventually, happening. and then eventually blew up, you know, it's, I mean, it's crazy. Pa part of this, of course, we can argue and we're going to get into the acts and, and, and the little moments climat that were climatic to the, to, for the whole explosion to happen. But yeah, you, you could, you could say that a lot of the things that happened were because the people that attended felt mistreated, felt like the place wasn't really taken care of, felt like... But another factor is the people that went to this concert, I mean, I, I, I'm saying, I mean, I hope I don't offend anybody, but this is the, what I got from it, was a bunch of pieces of shit. Like, like when you see... I mean, and, and, and it got me thinking... Was this the culture back then, everyone? Or was it like these people were pieces of shit? Because, you know, you see the videos of them grabbing women. And and, and to me, it was very disturbing. It was like, what the fuck? And very, very, very weird. It, it all started with uh, after James Brown, Cheryl Crow came into the stage and they were yelling at her, like, show us her tits, show us your tits. And she played along with it for a little bit. And then she kept saying that it was very uncomfortable, that she didn't like it. And yeah. nobody did anything to stop it. It's, and, and well, we're, we're going to get into more stuff that went in, in during the sets and towards the end of the, the festival. But it's some yeah. fucking weird shit. So Cheryl Crow gets in. People are already asking to see her boobs. <laughs> I think before Cheryl Crow... It had already started where girls were showing boof and then the guys with the cameras would get close to them and then they would feel more pressure into doing so. Yeah. And then guys would start getting a little too comfortable and try to touch girls and they were drunk and all this. 
And I think this is the this is the one thing that's so important in these places is that a lot of money has to be spent in security and quality security. Because when there's security and people feel like they cannot be doing shit that's fucked up, people behave. When there's no security and one person starts feeling like he can do whatever the fuck he wants, then it's like a chain reaction. And then everyone feels like, oh, it's a free for all. And the thing is, when you have that many people, you can't control all those people. It's impossible. If they all decide to, to cause chaos like they did, you can't control them. So, so what happens is you contain it from the beginning so that there's enough police or cops or whatever that people around there feel like, nah, nah. There's not enough people to get together to go against the cops because they, they already... But if a lot of people feel like there's no one covering or taking care of anything, then yeah, the first ones that are going to cause chaos are the pieces of shit that should just be killed, right? Like sent to a fucking penitentiary and put in an electric chair. But then the ones that are not as crazy, but that see it, kind of get like, oh shit, I... Because you, you could tell, like, this is this one, all, it was all not just people that were pieces of shit that caused the problem. The main ones, like, the, like the, the minority was, was, and then everything spread. And it tells you what the mobs can do. What the mobs, like, the bomb mentality, that's just scary. That, that's why I don't go anymore to any, any place that has, an, like, this amount of people. Because you don't know what could happen. And there's too many people to control. So... Well, uh, according to according to Wikipedia, they say it was four hundred thousand people. In the documentary Netflix, they kept saying 200, 250. So just imagine the amount of people in this in this place. Even if it's two hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, it's just a, it's fucking crazy. It, it, um, it, it's like a like a medium sized city. It's <laughs> for sure. And, and I've been reading that uh, for this kind of festivals, you need four security guards per one person. So imagine if it's just 400,000 people, how much security are you going to And it has have? to be real security people. Right, right. Not and, fucking potheads that are... <laughs> uh, this guy was selling his... his, uh, his uh, what, what was it? Peace Patrol shirt for $400. And then he's like, I sold it for $400, but I have another one in my bag, so I'm good. Yeah, and the, they could go. They could go backstage and and meet the artists. Bro, and, and the people that they showed that were the the patrol or the police. I'm like, bro, this guy probably sells ecstasy. He's the one who brought the, the drugs into the. Yeah, man. Like this, this was all riffraff. They, they keep saying that they wanted to do the same as '69, where it was like very peace and love and a lot of weed and a lot of you know, some drugs here and there, but they had no idea how much drugs went into that place. No, and I actually think a lot more drugs were being used in 69. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I could argue that, yeah. But the problem is, man, you're talking about not only a different time, but a different mood in the world. You have, like, if you look at the lineup in 69, bro, you we're talking about the era where music was very much psychedelic peace and love let's look at that extra thing within us that can make us better as a unit you know i mean uh, a bunch of tree huggers also that are a little bit weirdos but not people that normally would cause violence like how do you think you're gonna make a woodstock 99 and it's gonna be you know resemble what the original woodstock one 
when the bands that you have at that time are for fucking crazy college bros that want to yeah. break shit and that have fucking mental problems. <laughs> It's I'm looking at the at the lineup for '69. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, uh, The Who, what else? Grateful Dead, Santana. I mean, very like you said, very. So I, I think Santana was the more aggressive one, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was probably not that. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, search Carlos Santana performance in Woodstock '69. He's tripping balls on LSD, yeah. and there's a story about it where they told him that he was gonna play in the evening, and it was like two in the afternoon, so he took like mm -hmm. two papers of acid. And then 30 minutes later, they're like, oh, no, by the way, you're going on in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And this guy, the acid hit him while he was playing. And if you look at the video of Santana in 69 Woodstock, he's like licking the guitar. You, you can see him going insane, bro. It's one of the best performances. But but yeah, it's always a different type of music. And then the second day, Saturday, right, corn ends, then Bush comes and it kind of feels like, okay, this is getting a little wild, but okay, it's okay. But Now, the, the funny thing, mm -hmm. the, before you go into that, the funny thing is that once Bush performs or the last artist performs on the day, they still have more stages. So they had the, I don't know, the techno well, stage one that more. came after. One more. One more. Yeah, the airplane uh, hangar, which I, think, the which I think was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, horrible. Like, like we said, everything from the start was shit. Because But, when I went to Ultra Music Festival, that it was, they, you know, I don't think they do it anymore. It was in, in the Miami Biscayne uh, part. I think it's in Miami Biscayne, right? Uh, where they downtown did it. Miami. Downtown Miami. And it, I mean, it was huge, right? It's like, it's like Tomorrowland <laughs> and all this shit. And at 12, like it started at 12 in the day and then it ended at 12 in the evening. And then you had to leave the place. And then, yeah, people would continue to parties in, in clubs and shit. But I think that made it so that you kind of, okay, phew, now people are calm. Now go to yeah. sleep and reset or some of them won't go to sleep. But if you have it so that it continues forever, it's yeah. like, yeah. You, and they're in your venue, you have too much responsibility. And I think that airplane hangar was a horrible idea. Yeah. But then what else were they going to do? Because they were in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, fucking nowhere. It was in Rome, uh, New York. So uh, a shit place where nobody heard of. And, uh, and I mean, what else is there to do in Rome, New York, other than... Be and I don't even know how, how much light there was in the evening yeah. when you went to your tent. It just looked like a scary place to be, bro. But mo moving forward, let's, take, uh, let's look at the second day, Saturday. I don't remember who opens. Um, Kid Rock. Kid Rock opens, right? It was one of the first ones, yeah. And I, there was it, other bands, but it, 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 we've heard. And it starts nice, but then they go to another one of these late, I think Jewel? Or Jewel was on Sunday, uh, maybe. Jewel was on Sunday. So on Saturday, they had Wycliffe Jen. And oh, uh, yeah. he, he was like, throw your bottles. And everybody was throwing the bottles at the stage. And uh, it's just nothing went right. So uh, we're going to get into that, too. If how much responsibility the artists have. But um, yeah. OK, so yeah. so why Clef goes up? Um, he's you know, he's cool. I think he starts it off like a nice show starter. He does a little Star Spangler banner on the guitar. 
it starts looking nice. I don't know who goes after him, but then th the main shows were gonna be Limp Biscuit and, and Rage of the Mass. Rage against Rage against the Machine and Metallica. And Metallica. So that's getting. I think Limp Biscuit closes the show. Am I right? According to Wikipedia, because you know it's a very reliable source, Metallica closed. Okay, so after Limp Biscuit, Metallica comes, and Limp Biscuit. They criticize him a bit because he goes out and starts talking about like, have you ever felt that you want to break shit that you want to? And I think in the documentary, they visually, they make you feel like it was very related to the thing. And I'm not saying there's not something to blame, maybe to Limbiscuit, but I guess, I mean, that's just a show they do, right? Like that's. Like they're out there to like do what they do and they go crazy. So, what do you think on that on that matter? Like, are the artists a little bit to blame for amping up the people to be a little more aggressive and hostile? I feel like the people who went there wanted to see the full show. So, if Limp Bizkit's, this is what they do, and they pump up the people and have people, you know, jump and do crazy shit. I think that's what people wanted to see. I mean, anything less would have been shit. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Anything less and mellow would have been like people would talk shit about Olympus. So they went out and performed what they performed. They 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 torn shit up. But I think it was a little too much. There was a point where who was it that they were starting to break out the the sound stage thing? Yeah. And in and Fred Doris, uh, Fred Doris, instead of telling them to calm down, he just, just no, and, and and he actually got on top of one of the cardboard, oh, no, the plywood, the yeah. yeah, the plywoods to to serve, and I get it, he's super, like it looks sick, it looks like a yeah. like a fucking like a nasty show, like I'm not even a Limbiskit fan, but everyone, if you're around my age, thirty something, Limbiskit was part of the culture you grew up in, you know, yeah, and. So I guess you, you can't blame him. My question is, how does these like how, how would these normally go in other events where things were prepared correctly? Like I, I don't even know how you control that many people, but what you said makes sense that you need to hire for security for each person that goes. Imagine the amount of money you need to spend. You know? It's insane. And it, we just had a uh a, a festival right here next to my house. Uh, last weekend and the amount of security before during and after the show is it's crazy you right? i didn't go i didn't go into the the festival but i live four blocks out so i you know walking by you see everything they would have like two person per uh, per entrance like two security guards per entrance and uh you needed to i'm guessing show a badge to get in um if you weren't part of the it's it's a very i saw that it was a very i don't know people paid a lot of money to to have people safe and and drink real water and not shit water and clean the bathroom stalls you know yeah it's, i think there's basics that are so important security keeping the facilities clean and and what else i mean that's that's the main one right and, and have water, water and have water i i think there's another topic here because people got pissed off that they were being charged a lot in festivals and this is still the case 
But uh, I, I kind of feel like fucked about that. Like, I feel like they do price gouge and they do charge everything super expensive. And, and that, you know, that, I mean, I'm not saying that's a reason to trash a place, but that did add to the people being mad and angry. You know, it became like a hassle to be there. Like, let's take a shower. Oh, they, they destroyed the water thingy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's go to the porta parties. No, everybody is and, and it also shows you how like how fucking disgusting and pieces of shit people can be. And and like like dude, why are you destroying things? Why are you breaking? Like uh, like when I saw that, bro, I I really I was like, man, you could grab most of those people and just you know get rid of them. There was a motherfucker, two of them that were being interviewed because they were like very young and they went. Remember the two young ones that they... The, yeah. And one of them, you could tell this guy has not stopped doing drugs since that day. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. The guy looked like Beavis and Butthead. He was like fucking gone. He was gone. And he's one of them. He's one of the ones that started like stealing shit towards the end when mm -hmm. they were like raiding the... That was the thing I was thinking, too. I'm like, bro... They're gonna get pissed and they're just gonna like ramp the place and like steal everything, which they did. Uh <laughs> they, they try to open ATM machines or AT yeah. AT machines. <laughs> um oh, they, why not M? Why not M? Because then you're repeating ATM machine machine. AT oh, okay, machine. AT machines. <laughs> okay. Um so they they decided to to steal stuff, uh CDs, uh I don't know. It's it's like as like the, there would have been a moment, and I'm pretty sure many people did this. That as soon as you went, as soon as you saw some shit like that went down, you're like, oh yeah, bro, let's get the fuck out of here. This is going to go bad. You know what I mean? Like when you start seeing a little group start getting a little crazy, and and nobody's doing anything about it. There's no you're like, oh no no no, let's get the fuck out of here. I, th I think we need to get into the third day where just before, you know, everything just went to, to shit on the first, the first artist of the day on Sunday. But uh, the, the guy, the, the owner of Woodstock or the, the guy who brought it up in 99, he said that he wanted to open Sunday with Willie Nelson and have like a very mellow and, 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 very mellow afternoon and start, you know, work yourself up. So I think it's just, it tells you how naive. their mind was naive. They were. they were about the people and how their mind worked on how, you know, not prepare their way for this. I mean, but maybe that, maybe that wasn't the worst idea because Willie Nelson would have been like a good opener for a mellow day. And I think on after him, Jewel came on. Um, but before we go to the third day, let's finish quickly on the second. The second day at night, that's when things start getting crazy. We have Fat Boy Slim playing um, the dark uh, airplane hangar, right, in the, in, in the late morning. And then some, some motherfuckers grab a truck and burn it down and then start driving it. And that's when, like... Well, I think they even told this guy, like, no, no, get in a car uh, and let's get the fuck out of here. Like, we're out. And every artist that played, almost all of them, as soon as they ended, they're like, yeah, let's get in the bus and let's get the fuck out of here. Shit was it's, getting, like, wild. Yeah. Bro, as, as a musician myself, 
for example, Bush or Jewel or Cheryl Crow, when they were going on, I imagine myself being them because my music, I guess, could be more related to what they do. And I was like, man, I'll be, and they were also scared. I'll be scared shitless. I'm, like, I'm not going to play, bro. Like, I'm not going to play. This more focus. And it got me thinking, if things go well for me, right, in life, right? Like, if I don't end up, you know, doing, you know, which I, every job is is uh, dignified. But if I don't end up doing the, the, the thing that I do now that I hate, right, and I do get somewhere with music, a festival, I find it that it's not for every type of musician because you got a bunch of people that want some hot shit, you know? I don't know how it works in Coachella. I don't know if you've gone. But, like, how do you mix that, right? Like, how do you make some, like, Travis Scott, right? Some, like, Bad Bunny, some Drake. And then you come and put some, like, very mellow shit. Like, I don't know. I can't think of a band now, but like, you know, like, hey, hey, there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? They're going to fucking kill him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, these days, obviously, things have changed. And I'm I pretty think, sure. I think you, in, in some way you work yourself up. No, you start, you should start mellow and then end with a banger. Right. And, and then, but in, in Woodstock, in 99, at least, they had mellow, banger, mellow, semi-banger mellow super banger so it was very up and down maybe yeah i think they thought the they were gonna, people did they thought they were gonna keep on cool that way but i also think and i don't know um, when you have a, a, an event with such mixed crowds how you know you gotta also think about that i don't know how it is today because coachella is a place with very mixed crowds so it'll be interesting to see how that works I think they play around a lot with the different stages where you where you use different stages for different type of shit. Right. And then the main ones, you leave it for things that, you know, are more mainstream that everybody's going to like. Because it is true that when you have a bunch of people amped up, you can put some like, you know, l lyrics music where you have to listen to the lyrics and and see how, how, that, how that goes. So Bush ending after Korn on the first day. Korn's performance, by the way, fucking amazing, right? Yep. Korn killed it. I have never uh, been to a Korn concert, but it must be very fucking cool. But it, cool. it, mar it marked my my childhood watching MTV back when they played music, and Korn mm -hmm. was, to me, um, an, an epic, epic band. So, okay, so now let's get to the third date, which, by the way, when the third date comes, I'm like, okay, so this is... The, the concert is done, right? Like, this whole thing, like... Like, that's it. This is fucked. No, they continue. And I'm almost sure they didn't, obviously, they didn't tell the artist shit. Like, they didn't tell the artist, hey, by the way, last, I mean, this thing is going, like, off the rails. No. The next day, as if nothing happened, fucking Willie Nelson goes on talking, you know, singing about weed and shit. And then, and the thing is, bro, things start getting so bad that you're like, how many bad decisions were made in this fucking place? Sunday, who plays? Oh, fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Who kills Red Hot it? Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes. Who kills it? Well, they were the ones that closed. Uh, yeah. Jewel. And they were, Jewel Willie played. Uh, uh, Creed. Creed, okay. Mega Creed. Death. Creed. On the, I think it's on the HBO uh, documentary. Creed talked about how they felt when they were going to go. It's, oh, no, no, not Creed. Maybe Muse. Maybe it was Muse. Muse also played. 
Yeah. And they were like super like, oh no, this is shit. People don't understand it. People don't get it. And it made me almost feel like they were like snobby pieces of shit, you know? And I, and I mean, I'm cool with Muse. I like their music. But they were like, no, this is just disgusting. Like, like I almost as if they were like this much bigger band that had to play with like all this uh, shitty people. But third day, Red Hot Chili Pepper is supposed to end. Yeah. No, no, I wanted to, before we got into the third day, I just wanted to uh, show you or tell you who who declined to participate on, oh, okay. on, on this amazing, well-done festival. Foo Fighters was one of the the main uh, people who declined to, to participate because they were working on a new album. So they're like, no, nah, you know what? We don't want to do that shit. Uh, Sugar Ray. I don't know if you remember Sugar Ray. Yeah. Uh, Al Green. But all, he all back- Green. Al Green. <coughs> Never heard of that motherfucker. No, I have. He's a very good uh, singer, songwriter. But it's it's funny how they wanted to, you know, add all these artists. And last minute, they all pulled out because they, they felt was- some... Fishy was Sugar stuff, Ray yeah. the one that sang "You're My Butterfly, Sugar Baby" or no? And no, no, that was something else. No, Sugar Ray, or, or is that like a like a James Sh- Brown type guy? James Brown type guys at Al Green. Sugar mm. Ray is a band. Uh, Mark McGrath. Mark oh, okay. McGrath. Um, oh, the like a country. No, it was it was pop rock ish. Uh, one of their f- songs is uh, "When It's Over," but I can't right. sing, so I, I wouldn't. Well, be that to I mean, maybe uh, Foo Fighters declined simply because they were busy, but it was a good decision, or maybe not. Maybe the experience for the artists was different. You know, they were behind the scenes, they had catering, they had liquor, they had their limousines, they got in and got out. So maybe to them it was amazing, and they had a sea of people. That they controlled. I mean, they did show some things in the documentary where there were amazing moments where like certain artists were playing and the vibe was amazing. Um, it's just we you know what what transpired after. Which... We, we didn't mention how uh, Kid Rock got into the stage. It was a hundred degrees outside. The guy has a, a big ass yeah. jacket, fur jacket. Uh, I mean, again, he's he's a vibe, a different vibe. For the he's a different vibe. I think he's like a character now. I don't like his music. No, I think neither. it's uh, very basic stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know. For the average white man. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to get. I want to. I don't want to get too, <laughs> too specific. But yeah, it's, it's 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 like it's to me it's dumb music. That that doesn't mean that there's no value to it. Like Limp Bizkit is dumb music, right? But. You cannot tell me that there's certain songs of them that if you hear and you're like, yes, you fucking yeah. get pumped up and shit. So, so I think music, it, it, music has two sides of it. One is like how deep and how work certain concepts are, and then another part of it is simply the vibe and, and the confidence that you put out and how that song can transmit, even if it's a song that doesn't have much depth or you know lyrically acclaimed, um, you know, message, but. But yeah, I think I, I think that a lot of the lineup for it was a lot of those type of bands mm. where it was like basic shit that was just very, very strong vibe-ish at the time and, and was able to translate. But I do feel bad for the other artists that were, in my opinion, more, I don't know how, how to say, like 
just higher level of artistry, like Jewel, like Cheryl Crow, like Creed, like Muse. And, you know, these are musicians that I consider them to be like like musicians of, of the real pureness of it, like the purest. And then they had to play, like I'm pretty sure in their mind they were like, fuck, I'm playing in this crowd that doesn't appreciate me. And they don't even know about music. And then this guy comes up and starts talking about like, I'm going to fuck you up and break shit. And then they love that. You yeah, know? Yeah. But, but it's an, they, a never-ending talk about music, you know? Going into the third day, um, didn't Jewel walk out? I don't remember that part too well. I think she She went, doesn't she walk sang. out, but it's very like she almost ends it early. Yeah, I she, think. she didn't feel comfortable. She didn't feel she comfortable. Was... And then they tell her... To get quick in the in the bus and they leave right away, so they already started like mm, this is not working out. Then a bunch of people throwing things to the stage, like mm. that starts already like getting weird. Well, it seems like throwing shit to the stage at Woodstock is nothing new. It wasn't nothing new at the, in '99 because there's a famous Green Day performance in Woodstock '94 where they were throwing dirt and mud at green day because you know <laughs> hippies but um if you can watch the, the the whole set it's like a 30 minute set because they had to cut it short people were running into the stage uh throwing mud at them and uh yeah it wasn't something new that yeah one of the things that fucked up woodstock 94 also was that it rained and it made it everything rained. muddy yeah. but yeah. I, I think it would be it would have been better if it rained than a hundred degree weather in a you know yeah, yeah, air base yeah. that fucked it up <laughs> too. Sure. I mean, and and if you know anything about drugs, which here we know very little of, drugs most of the time are gonna make you dehydrated and are gonna require more of your body. It's gonna be like your little machine is gonna be in the edge, and sometimes you can go over. So take it easy, buddy. If you're out there, you know, trying to be an adventurous voyage voyager. Voy- vo- I always fuck up that word, voyager. Or a voyager, or a voyager. I'm not even a, gonna try because I can't say it. Either. A fucking traveler of the psychonautic realms. Just, just take it easy, buddy. Okay, <laughs> you got a long life to try all this shit. So take it easy. Don't go too crazy. You don't want to end it and end up, uh, you know, in a news article like, oh, you know, the Venezuelan boy without papers is found dead at a festival. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Oh, the, oh, by the way, there was a bunch of Venezuelan flags. Well, not a bunch. There was a yes, few Venezuelan I flags. Saw, I saw them. them. <laughs> I saw them. Like, pride. That's my boy. <laughs> they, they probably did a lot of drugs, too. So. Yeah, they probably did. They probably yeah. brought the drugs. Brought the drugs. <laughs> nah, maybe. Nah, not kidding. Venezuelans are more of the consumers. Nah, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe my family is listening. But, but yeah, but they do consume the thing. Looking at the third date, I think it was the shittiest day. Line it always ways. is. It always is. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Muse. But other than that, Megadeth, Godsmack, Creed, eh. Elvis Costello. In the middle <laughs> of nowhere. <laughs> ah, it's not bad. It's not no, bad. it's not bad. We, like we said, Willie Nelson. And well, there's, a, there's a bunch of other artists that... You know, I don't. I'm not gonna mention them because either I don't know them or I can't say their names. Well, it's not too. I mean, we're talking shit. I mean, the last day you had the Red Hot Chili Peppers closing, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers then 
I mean, if they're big now, they're like they're huge now. Still, back then they were back in the prime. Were, yeah. They were in the fucking prime. I mean, it all started when you know when you see Flea going in the stage butt naked. Yeah, you that part already is like, bro. <laughs> like, but, but, but 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 you know that's that's Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's Flea. Yeah. Then the thing starts getting rowdy. They start burning shit, and then they tell Anthony Kiedis, 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 <laughs> the the singer of um of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hey, bro, please go out there. I know you ended your show. Do an encore and try to calm them down, bro, because they're a little rowdy. Just calm them down. Just be like, hey, guys. Guy comes out and say, okay, let's play this song. It's called Fire. Fire, fire, fire. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck, bro? You know you know how else they fucked up with? Because they decided to do a vigil and give out candles. That was That's the how worst decision. That, who the fuck came with? Came up with that idea. That was so like, like that's, why, a, that's the type why? of idea that even if you think it's a good idea because you're like, oh, it's Woodstock and the third day, that's the type of idea that on Saturday, right? Some people get you know together in a meeting and they're like, hey guys, you remember how we were gonna give a source of fire to everybody here, <laughs> two hundred and fifty thousand plus people? Yeah, let's maybe not do that, given the <laughs> fact these motherfuckers are wild. There was a guy in the in the documentary who, was, who said this is not a good idea, and they literally told him to shut the fuck up. Hey, you <laughs> little hippie, shut, shut the, the fuck up! up. You don't <laughs> even know <laughs> how how weird all all of this is weird. You know, from you okay Sorry. there, buddy? No, no. Okay? A little water or something? No, no I'm just trying to. <laughs> We're talking about Woodstock '99 and one in Rome. <laughs> oh fuck it was in rome it was in rome new york i didn't even i didn't even try that pun that shit just came out of me fucking it from the inside motherfucker yeah <clears throat> one in rome you know try a little weed um i didn't wanna i don't wanna forget the part <clears throat> the fucking sexual abuse to the women was fucking insane now there is one part where girls were getting wild too like like i don't think that's a good thing ever like to start and maybe this is me call me a conservative purist start showing off your boobs and shit around men that are drunk and you don't even know who they could be what type of upbringing they had i think that's a bad idea obviously that they're not the ones to blame the amount of pieces of shit that were there, that that's where the security would come in and be like, hey, buddy, like, you know, don't don't scare them. Like, stay away. Everybody, you know, we're all cool. I think that would have kept it, you know, so that it didn't escalate to the point where everybody thought you could just touch women and nothing was going to happen. And do you remember? Was- do you remember the name of... Fuck, I can't remember now. Remember, uh, they used to sell VHS cassettes. Girls Gone Wild. Girls Gone Wild. I think it's in that era, 98, yeah. 99, 2000s, where it was people were flashing tits to a camera on the streets. And it was... Well, that guy, was, I think... I don't know if it's a... I think it's a documentary that came out. And the guy, as you could imagine, is a piece <laughs> of shit. And the things that you find out behind the scenes are fucked up. Like a lot of these girls thought these videos weren't really coming out anywhere. It was like a more like a, like, you know, 
Um, Did you ever think about buying those? No, but I always saw the free versions and, and jerked off to them. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to be realistic up in this video, <laughs> I'm here like, hey, bro, I'm going to tell you something. Those videos, disgusting what they did to these girls. <laughs> oh, but did you ever buy? Oh, no. Yeah, I used to. I, I had three copies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, again, oh, I was a young God. kid. I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. I mean, I mean, they were consenting girls, but obviously they, it, it was all framed in a way that was just douchey and maybe illegal to, you know, and and this guy apparently then fucked a lot of them. And but yeah, Joe Francis. That's the guy's name, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's very true. It, those uh, videos that they were making for the pay-per-view felt very much like uh, like Girls Gone Wild. Yep. yep. And there is this added pressure, social pressure, when you're with a camera and they're like, yeah, be wild. And they're like, oh, fuck it. I've never done this, but fuck it. <laughs> and so, I, the like, I mean, it also tells you how much we've changed since the 90s. And how much we've improved as a society. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see that as a good idea ever. Like, uh, I just find that. And I don't want to be like the woke guy. It's like, bro, let me tell you something, bro. Like to, <laughs> but no, nah, but to be honest, like, I'm happy that society, at least in my perception, doesn't think that way. And, and doesn't. Because uh, it's not always just the crazy guys. There's also normal people that maybe felt like that was cool and normal. And it isn't. And now they know it isn't. And, and that has made a new generation of people that are more sensitive to those things. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, I, it made me feel uncomfortable many times in that in that uh, concert where I was like, man. I mean, of course, there was their share of trashy girls that were just trying to like get touched and, and be with because because that exists too i mean but then there was a lot of them that i think were caught in situations that were very uncomfortable if not illegal and that one, part was was very bad one of the guys was saying that uh the truck that passed through the hangar uh he opened the door and there was a, a girl naked and then the guy putting up his his pants on and I mean, let's be realistic. She she got raped, and that's not good, man. You you don't want to go to these places and not feel safe. And yeah. I, I feel no, for no. for those girls. And, and reading some of this stuff, it's it's worse. I mean, there's a lot of stuff apparently that they left out on the on the documentary. But you know, people died, which they don't really mention in the. Uh, in the oh shit! Yeah, let's talk about that. I didn't even know people died. Because, I mean, this is, a, this is the whole thing I'm thinking when I'm seeing this documentary. It's weird that they're not saying anything because people had to have died. I mean, when yeah. you see what happened, you're like, people had to have died. How many deaths we got from that place? Was it, what was the death count? Ooh, from what I see, I see four. Okay. Which, for 200,000 people, maybe it's not that much, but it's well, still... Well, if you <laughs> ask a piece of shit white guy, the promoter, he would have been like, if you have a city... Of 250,000 people. If four of them die, I mean, that's like normal. Some of them are going to get raped. I mean, that is, yeah. like, you know, that is how the game works. <laughs> people did get arrested. 44 people uh, were arrested. 44? <laughs> Bro, come on, man. Half of those people should have fucking gone to the electric chair. Yeah. Uh, 10 state troopers uh, lost or they were demoted. So somebody got a little blame. 
Oh, state uh, troopers got to bl got got to blame. Okay. Yeah, ten state troopers and two state police supervisors were demoted or suspended for the for their behavior. So maybe they were doing drugs with the kids <laughs> with, with the fucking gun. And that's why they state, <laughs> state troopers were in the mosh pit. Like, what's good, bro? I gave it all for the nookie, the nookie, the cookie. Yeah. That... Um, it, it's reading all this shit. It's. Uh, the New York State Department of Health reported 5,162 medical cases related to the festival. So it could be anything from being sick to being shot, right? anywhere in between. Yeah. yeah. And well, a lot of people apparently got sick from the water. Yeah, with the shit water. The shit water. And uh, one of the guys said that he saw a, a man high as fuck just banging his head against the concrete. So, you know great bro great. i see something like that and and i'm like gathering my crew and yeah yeah we're getting the fuck out of here we're going to chili's i think we can still catch the happy hour and we'll make it home safe let's get the fuck yo i remember one time when i was back you know when i was younger because i'm still i'm still a little young chap you know but when i was still you know in in my youngy youngy days when all the organs were new well you could give them any substance and the organs would be like we could take this no worries Next morning, you will go to work at Bocelli's at 10 in the morning. Uh, you know, you, you, you would do it. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? I was, just, I was just talking about some. Damn. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's, it's coming back. It's coming back. It's com oh, yeah. So back in, yeah, when I was a younger kid, we went to like this wood area in like, El in, like Doral, Doral, Florida. And it was like in these wooded areas where there was no constructions and, and like a lot of cars would go and we would like make bonfires and people would. But it was a bunch of stranger people, you know, like you went with the crew and there was a bunch of other people like, you know, from different high schools and shit. And I remember we were there, you know, smoking something, having fun, drinking. And then I hear somebody shoot like a fucking rifle, like. <laughs> and I'm that's like, when you, that's when you bro, go, everybody grab like, yo, let's get though fuck out of here and that's it like i mean obviously that's it that's the most extreme thing but there's certain vibes that you get of a place where you're like hmm there's something cooking here there's something in the stew and it's inevitable and i think a lot of people felt that i mean a lot of the people that were talking the mtv presenters you know <laughs> which i find like they start the show like oh yeah yeah it's all cool and then towards the end it's like uh, yeah, we kind of get. We need to go. <laughs> yeah, we need to go, and let's do it very quietly as to not cause any. <clears throat> it's uh, from reading here. It says uh, it took three weeks to clean up the place, and the organizers had to spend an additional seventy-eight thousand dollars to resoil the grounds. So they had to spend more money to put soil and grass again in, in wherever the fuck uh, people tore it up, but. Uh, you know, well, I mean that <clears throat> to me that seems like like cheap for what cheap for what happens and fair. I mean, at least they would, you know, at least put some grass. One thing, I mean, not enough credit for Red Hot Chili Peppers for closing it. Yeah. Although what was fucked up is that they kind of made it a rumor that there was gonna be something else after Red Hot Chili Pepper, like a surprise act. And I think that that helped the Red Hot Chili Peppers to get the fuck out of there because yeah. people were still like, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting. And then they got out and then everything started burning. You know, somebody <laughs> comes out. 
Like I think they were saying that Prince was gonna come out. Yeah, like some random like Michael Jackson is coming. What? Yeah, yeah, he's bringing and, a kid and fucking him on stage. What? Yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta stay. You can't leave. They, they ended up putting a video of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, then, that was called like fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then they gave everybody candles. Light up your candles. It's very very weird. Uh, you know what? I can't see to find how much the whole thing. Uh, how much they spent for all this three four days of i don't know how, how much the promoter spent but the ticket there was a, a like a combo for 60 dollars for the three days <laughs> and that included your stay there but you had to bring your own you know tent so, or whatever advanced tickets for the event were priced at 150 dollars Tickets. Oh, then, then maybe uh, I'm wrong. Tickets purchased at the gate, it would be $180. Oh, okay. Damn, there, so it was for the three days. <clears throat> for the three days. Uh, a total of 186,000 tickets were sold. Hmm. So who the fuck was the rest of the people? <laughs> it, had, it has been estimated that the ticket sales were worth $60 million in revenue. So... <laughs> they got a lot of money out of this but also now, look at everything that has happened since we keep talking about it and you know they keep making money out of Woodstock 99 because I'm pretty sure these guys are making money out of yeah. what we just saw on Netflix <laughs> yeah and um, well at the end you see that the original founder died a died. few months yeah. months after the documentary was shot you know, you compare it <clears throat> to festivals these days, like Tomorrowland. You know, they ha Tomorrowland puts like the live broadcast, you know, and, and, and you can see it on YouTube and shit. And it's, it's huge. Like, it's just immensely huge. And when you look at it, <clears throat> even though it, it is, it does look a lot better than it is. Like, it is pretty fancy. And the places where you stay are pretty, pretty tolerable. <clears throat> Again, me. At the age that I have, I mean, still a very young age, you know, still very, very young, very little gray hairs coming out. Um, but I'm, but I'm, I'm old enough where I'm like, I'm not gonna go stay on a tent for three fucking days in the, in the, you know, with a bunch of fucking weirdos doing acid. Now, am I some? Am I against tents? Am I against acid? No, but in that context, you put me in a, in a, in a difficult situation. I want the comfortable thing. Uh, it reminds me of, of that fire festival that was a failure too, but to other dimensions, they sent a bunch yeah. of people to a fucking island and, and then they had like little pods for them to sleep in. But, you know, I, I, I find it uh, interesting how they make it work. I mean, one of the things that make it work, like it costs like $800 for, you know, to go to Tomorrowland. But so with money, you can have a lot more, you know, staff, a lot more security, a lot more things, a lot more bathrooms, a lot. And from what I understand, it works, you know, and it, it is kind of like nice. It's not uncomfortable. It's not riff raffy. The Tomorrowland they do it well in that sense, you know, where you you go in and you're gonna have a good experience, especially if you're a young kid filled with a lot of uh, energy. Maybe you haven't had that many venereal diseases, so you're kind of new to it, you know, and, and you can go out there and and try your luck. Um, you know, if it, if it looks purple green with a little pus, that might be you might have to need to check that, but 
But yeah, I mean, go out there, you know, put it in, you know, different places, you know, and see what happens, you know, like enjoy your life, you know, in your 20s and even aerial disease, I think goes, it's fine. <laughs> um, well, it says that uh, Woodstock had to pay a million dollars to the city of Rome mm. uh, to host the event. And uh, <laughs> what the craziest thing that I've, that I've been reading here, it's, uh, it says any tickets sold beyond 200,000. Would then result in an in an additional five dollars per ticket paid to all par uh, parties. So they didn't have to pay the five dollar per ticket after two hundred thousand because according to this they paid one hundred eighty seven almost. But over the five dollars that were paying to the city, to the parties or to everybody involved to in the in the in putting Woodstock up. So so the rest who who kept the rest. Well. It, Woodstock or the the organizers, the organizers, uh, the promoters wouldn't have been required to dish out the extra money. So because they didn't hit that 200,000 mark, um, they stated that $38 million just in production for the event. Uh, but so you subtract that from the 60 million they made or 60 million is already profit. I think 60 million is profit just from the tickets. So then you subtract, you know, your costs, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Damn. Puts you think it puts you to think, right? Like how much you gotta pay the um, the like, like like the acts, right? See, yeah. That, that, that's your that's your main cost, right? For these for these events. Well, the, the, nowadays yeah. you gotta pay. I think Kanye got like five million or two million. Five million to to perform at one of his festivals. Like they get. I mean, 99 maybe was way less, and I'm sure yeah. it was, but... Um, yeah, but I mean, to, in today's world, those performances for the high-ranked artists are like 150, 200, 250. That's how much like is like Steve Aoki charges, Okay, for example. <laughs> it's a lot of money, though. And it's uh, a lot of money to get in one night or in one, yeah. you know, one sitting. <laughs> one sitting. Uh, an hour and a half, basically, of a set. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about the pay-per-view. Do you know how much or how many pay-per-views were were uh, purchased? How much? Remember, it was it was fifty nine ninety five to buy the pay-per-view. Five hundred thousand purchases. That's insane. It's fucking crazy. That's insane that that happened in ninety nine. Like when and like was this through a TV? It must have been through TV, not through a computer. It must Thirty million dollars. Well, through TV, yes. I remember yeah, totally. uh, you, you had a separate channel. You had to call, give your. Oh, your card. that's true. That's true. I think that's uh, where the first like UFC and boxing yeah, were being yeah. shown. Yeah, pay per view was very archaic at the beginning. Um, so now they, you can. They made they made thirty million dollars just from the just from, from the pay per view. Fuck, that's a lot. Man. And that's not counting how much they made. You know, with the documentaries now. Yeah. Uh, oh. It says that in Woodstock 94, they only made $9 million. So. Right. Yeah, but it, it, was, it was like a, like pretty much like, it, even though they didn't lose money, it, mm. to make that little money is almost like, yeah, don't even do it. So it was a failure to them. More than half yeah. of the, I think half of the people got in for free because the place just wasn't fit for it. Um, do you think to give a bit of conclusion to this, 
Do you think that Woodstock, another Woodstock, is something that that could happen, or do you think that this puts an end to it? I think it's. Hmm, I don't know. It, it depends. I mean, for sure, it would have to be different <laughs> promoters, different people who uh, pan this out. Because, well, as as Netflix told us, Michael Lang, who's a who's a creator of Woodstock, died, and the other pieces of shit <laughs> should definitely not be involved. Yeah, should um, die too. <laughs> um, do you? Do you? Okay, let's put it this way, right? Because. I feel that the, the the music culture we have these days is closer to to like the 69 Woodstock 5 because you got people like Billie Eilish, you got people like Post Malone, I mean Coldplay, you know, Imagine Dragons, Monford and Sons of Monsters and Men. I mean I'm I'm naming more the ones that I like, but you know, go down the list They're not bands or groups that I think will will cause the same sort of hostility. They're more towards like the love and peace and accept each other and this woke thing, which is one of the good things about this whole woke thing, right? Like that people, you you know, it's ideal that that people become more uh, compassionate and sympathetic to others. So maybe you could do something like it, you know, where people are very accepting and we do this little nice thing and, you know. I think the closest thing that there is to Woodstock is maybe uh, Coachella because you get to stay in camps and uh, sleep there for the weekend, and it's uh, two weekends long, same same sets, but you know you buy the tickets for one weekend and you get, you get to stay in a tent <laughs> in the desert. Okay. But what you stay the weekend, then you go back the week. To your well, day job uh, in Best Buy, and then you go if, in the next weekend. If you buy if you buy tickets for both weekends, then yeah, that's you know go back to your city and work at Best Buy, and then on Thursday okay. or Friday drive down to Coachella again. All right, all right. Um, there's another one. Maybe I think you're more right on that one. Maybe Coachella is the more comparable one, but there is Burning Man, which. It's sort of like if Woodstock 69 evolved into the next thing, which is people that are psychonauts, right? People that are always on a psychedelic trip that takes them through life. I wouldn't want to go to fucking Burning Man. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I consider myself a hippie. I consider myself, you know, somebody that dwells into the, into the unknown, into the dark arts. But that's too hippie for me. That's too hipster. That's like, yeah, bro, like, Yeah, it's. Take, I think it also for Coachella and Burning Man. Now that I'm seeing it, it's. It seems like it's, you know, in a desert where it's 100 degrees too, but it seems to be well organized. You know, they thought about it. It's 100 degrees, 110 degrees out. Uh, let's do all these things for the people to be more comfortable. Well, and I so think they, it limits the amount of douchebags that can go. I mean. They're douchebags in their own sense because they're like elitist. Make, yeah, if you make the tickets also super expensive, not everybody's going to be able to go. And I think that, $150 I think for yeah, $150 for Woodstock in '99. I think it's a lot, but they they also compare. I think it's $280 of you know 2022 money. Mm. So it's not a lot of money for three days of music and you yeah. know, sleeping and and whatnot. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think unfortunately, 
I've gotten to the place where I think that prices are important when you want to limit who, what type of people go to the show. Daniel Tosh does this, right? He says it in a joke. He's a comedian that I love. He's very mysterious. People know very little of him. He doesn't do interviews. Daniel Tosh, he has the famous Tosh.0 show. That's pretty much the only show that plays in Comedy Central. And, you know, he's like in a, in, in a comedy show. He says, look, I know that a lot of people, are, you know, think like, okay, what does it cost, you know, 90 bucks to come to see Daniel Tosh? But it's like, would you really want to be sitting next to people that would pay 20 bucks, 30 bucks? And it's, it's a fucked up joke, but, it, but it's funny, you know, and, and it makes sense. And sometimes in my own life, I've gotten from bars and restaurants that are very cheap to ones that are a little, not, you know, not expensive, but a little less cheap. And it's not because, I mean, part of it is you want to try better food, but I, I could keep eating, you know, the, the, the Taco Bells and things. And I do every once in a while. But you also want to change the crowd that's around you. And unfortunately, the only way to do that is with a price point. That's what separates, you know, the things. Like if, if I'm going to pay a little uh, one or two more euros for the beer, I know I'm not going to have the same fucking riffraff around me. Yeah, I'm a person that I can have a one euro beer or a 10 euro beer, and I'm still going to be the same classy gentleman that you see here, right? It's part of the ethics. It's part of the, the values that I was brought up in. In my country, Venezuela, you know, it's like, I'm very proud. And, and that's, the, that's what comes out of me when I think about that. But now you get to, well, now that you get to buy a single day tickets. So for the, for the festival that I just had near my house for a single day ticket, it's $175. For one day? For one day. Compared to the, you know, 150 for three days. So. Yeah, it is definitely a, a deterrent and he yeah. filters a little bit. It does the, filter a lot. The, the also, I think location is key. You know, if you have it in the middle of New York and Rome, maybe if you have universities close to it, that's why a lot of douchey uh, frat boys were there. Frat I boys, don't know. Yeah. I, I know. I know there's a, a university close to Rome, New York, but I don't know if... They supplied all the all the douchey guys there for that weekend. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people to blame. A lot, you know. I, I was reading that uh, some artists were not wanting to blame the people or the young people that was there, but they are part of the blame, not mm -hmm. the main part. Let, let's be clear about that. I don't think they're the main reason this failed, but they for sure were a little bit. Uh, mm. a grain a grain of salt in the part of of the blame that we yeah, ultimately to... the organizers have the biggest blame they should have made a place that could have managed that amount of people even in the case like you also always got to think about worst case scenario what if these people go wow do we have enough people to calm it down they didn't they fucked up and then of yeah. course we had a bunch of douchey people that went to this place i remember when i went to ultra i think it was 2010 in miami it was 150 that I paid for one day entrance. So, you know, and when I was in there, even though you sometimes you had hard techno and shit like that, I felt safe. I felt everybody was cool. I felt everybody was in a good vibe. If you would find that stranger next to you, he would be talking to you like, bro, I'm tripping balls. And it would be like a cool thing. Like it was never 
any sort of violent or anything. So I think that it does. I think it does help having a not a high price just to have a high price. But the entrance, you know what I'm I'm down for? Have a high entrance rate, and then inside, don't fuck me with the you know with the refreshments and the drinks because I'm already in. You already made a lot of money on the entrance. I prefer to pay a lot on the entrance because that way we filter a lot of the shit in the riffraff. But then once inside, you already made your money with the entrance. Don't fuck me with the beer. Well, now then, that I think about it, one of the things they first mentioned is that you couldn't come in with your own water, your own portable water. So, worst worst way to start, you know. It's, yeah, but can you even it, can you do that in festivals today? I don't think so. Yeah, so it's not. But there's places. I think the one that was here by my house. I think you can bring your own bottle, empty bottle. They would check it at the door, and then they would have a water dispenser where you can fill out your bottle. Okay. I think even even though I understand they make money from the water, I think that you should give water to people, and, and also I mean, that way people don't die of dehydration. Yeah, you're doing all and, these drugs, like and then make money the on the alcohol and the food, and that's it. And don't be too yeah. greedy, motherfucker. <laughs> I think that, I think that's how it should go. But we want to know what the Broski doodles think about this. Let me know what your thoughts on. If you're somebody that's always on festivals and you're like, no, Kiko, I think you're not enjoying them the right way. Let me show you the way. You know, there's new drugs out there. Uh, or, you know, maybe you don't, you haven't gone to the right ones. You know, there's the electric Daisy Carnival, which is one that they do in Orlando and I think Las Vegas, where they have mm -hmm. fucking carnival rides and shit and, and you take ketamine and you go to crazy places. So maybe I don't know how these places are working these days. And maybe you tell me, hey, Kiko, you know, you gotta go. You know what, Kiko? You're coming with Chef Maurice and Kiko. No, you're coming next time. We're gonna burn it, man. It's gonna be an amazing experience. Maybe, but I wanna know it in your comments because we don't know. To us, we're just a little bit scared at this stage of going to festivals. Um, Amazing lineup with Stock 99. I wish I would have been able to be there, but in like a VIP helicopter that I could just leave whenever because the lineups were amazing. But it definitely showed how you could fuck up such a great lineup of festival with uh, um, logistic mistakes, with bad decisions from the promoting and from a lot of greed that these motherfuckers had. So, well, hope you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe to the thing, share it. If you have like an older person in your family, the Broski Doodles is normally a great uh, content for people that are in, the, in their older ages. And, and leave a comment. You know, you can leave a rating in Spotify and iTunes and it really helps us, you know, since we're not really charging any money for this. We do it for the love of it. We do it for the love of art. You know, I'm going to continue to work in Taco Bell and then make the videos at night. That's fine for me. I'm fine living a life that is uh, very limited to the things that I can do. But at least like the fucking thing, subscribe to it and let's keep it going. Chef Maurice, thank you for joining, Papa. Thank you, sir.